0: No, leave that up if you can. No, you can't. No. It's gone? Is that all we have?
1: That's all we have. That's the whole open,
0: right? I don't know how, like, how did that get truncated? Like, I had a big long, it was like two minutes, we had a video. What, what? happened to all that? I don't know. I'll look into that. Yeah. You know, that was before my time. That this is, is... That's true. I'm, look, I'm not interested in, like, who's responsible. Well, I'm Mr. Jonathan. Oh, uh, Mr. Jonathan. See how he is? So on vacation. Hey, how you guys doing? Tom Duggan here in the Paying Attention Podcast every Thursday here at uh, 2 o'clock. High atop Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Uh, we have no Paul today, which is kind of good um, because um, we have a guest in the studio today. Who is all things politics Now I've known this guy for quite a while Actually the first time I heard from this guy He was thinking of running for city council in Amesbury, Massachusetts Sent me a press release Asked me if I could put it in the paper I'm like, yeah, he's a conservative guy, we'll help him out Um, We put it in the paper and then he called me like two weeks later And said, yeah, I'm not running I'm like, ah, I'm going to kill this guy (laughs) So he disappeared from my life for about a year And all of a sudden he called me out of the blue and said "Um, Hey, I went to Dartmouth and I want to go up There's a presidential debate at Dartmouth Can I get like press credentials from you and and Go up and uh, and do a story for you And I was like great free work I'm always, I'm always up for free work And he called me like that night and said Hey uh, I hear Newt Gingrich is one of your heroes How'd you like to talk to him and then handed the phone to Newt Gingrich and I was like this guy Needs to be in our network we need to have this guy Around so ever since then um Alex and I have been friends. He manages my my portfolio. He uh he's all things politics on the national level. He's certainly all things politics here in New Hampshire. So uh why don't I why don't I introduce him and let him tell you more about who he is before we get into all these topics, Alex?
1: I might tell the story slightly different all right. Right, of how we found one another and uh so when I came back to New England around 2011, was trying to get the lay of the land after spending six years out in the Midwest, I happened upon the Valley Patriot, and what impressed me about the newspaper the same thing, actually, that impressed Speaker Gingrich about the newspaper when I showed it to him, was, wow, look at all these advertisers. You know, this guy is connected to the small business community. Wow, this guy cares about uh, cops, firefighters, veterans, uh, kids saving for college, and all the, all the rest. So, um, Talk about uh, the mayor of the Merrimack Valley of sorts. So uh, it's always good to network, but networking with such a maven networker kind of lets you save yourself a lot of time and worries and meet a lot of good peoples. So uh, that's the main reason I wanted to meet you. Man, what a shortcut to getting reacclimated to the community, man.
0: Right. Well, listen, I'm, we're glad to have him because he's done an awful lot for us. Uh, over the years, you even got us like a, a one hour one on one interview with Newt Gingrich when Newt was like the favorite to be president at that point. Like he was polling first. Uh, what was that, four, four eight years ago, maybe?
1: Yeah, sometime some, in 2011, some, 2012. Yeah. yeah,
0: something like that. Um, and I was just psyched to meet Newt Gingrich, much less sit down and like debate with him and, 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 uh, and do an interview. Uh, and that was great. And you've, you've been involved in a lot of different campaigns. Um, you do a lot of con- political consulting, especially here up in New Hampshire. So I thought you'd be the perfect guy to bring in for the for the show after the election to talk about like what happened and what does this mean? You know, if you put on CNN, if you put on Fox, it's mostly just white noise. They're all just repeating what everybody else is saying. Fox watches CNN, CNN watches MSNBC. It's like this mutual masturbation society. They all just they all just regurgitate what each other says without even giving it any thought to see if like wait does that even make sense? Um, So I I always like to have local people because I always say if you're not sure what the what the national Narrative is whether it's true or it's not true, whether it's bull or it's not, always look at the national, always look at the local level. Sure. So it's always good to have local people on. So you've been very, you've been very uh, intimately involved in. Uh, the New Hampshire, some of the New Hampshire elections. So, we haven't covered that a whole lot. Why don't we talk a little bit about that first?
1: Yeah, happy to do that, especially for, you know, the Merrimack Valley spanning Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Most people know Tom as a North Andover Lawrence guy, and here we are recording the podcast in in Salem, New Hampshire. So, happy to give uh, some of the New Hampshire perspective on what happened and what didn't happen this past Tuesday. Um, We had a governor reelected very comfortably, and uh, the cheer When he entered the room, two more years, two more years. (laughs) Because uh, we know four more years at least has a little bit of initial rhyme going to it. But New Hampshire, like Vermont, only states with two year gubernatorial terms left. Uh, Massachusetts had two year terms right up until around the time you were born. But earliest Massachusetts actually had one year terms. So uh, John Hancock was a one term, one year governor of Massachusetts. But yeah, in New Hampshire, we have a very weak structural governor. Um, not only is it just a two-year term, but we effectively have a bicameral executive branch. Um, I know you, you, you hosted a governor's council debate for Massachusetts. Our executive council in New Hampshire does quite a bit more. Not only are they involved in judge and other kinds of nominees, but they approve contracts of over $25,000. Wow. So talk about um, real micromanagement within the state. So, um, so governor is a tough, tough job in New Hampshire. But Chris Nunu ran on a platform of um, full day kindergarten, uh, which was one of his first initiatives as governor. A lot of things is pretty hard to disagree That's with. That's like a dagger in my heart. Yeah. Well, he, he, you know, he's he's a he's youngest governor in America, and a lot of energy, you know, for for those want to be ticket splitters. He was the Republican who people in in uh, New Hampshire voted for on Tuesday. The congressional races were not as competitive. My home 1st District, a little bit more so than the 2nd, but we can talk about each of those or any Was Jean Shaheen up this year? She was not. She's going to be up in 2020 should she wish
0: to run I want to come up to New Hampshire and help defeat her. So you just let me know when that happens because I want to come up and defeat her.
1: If she does not run, her daughter Stephanie um, could. Um, The soon-to-be first-time Congressman uh, Chris Pappas in the 1st District, who uh, is the owner of the Puritan Backroom Restaurant in Manchester, he could be. a quick promotion. He was on a short list to run for U.S. Senate even prior to his uh, U.S. congressional win. He served on the executive council uh, for a number of years. So he he would be an early uh, Democratic front runner should Senator Shaheen not wish to run for reelection. And in terms of people who would maybe uh, look to take her on, you know, maybe a comeback uh, attempt by former Senator Kelly Ayotte, who's now serving on several corporate boards after her narrow loss to Governor Maggie Hassan two years ago. Yeah. And she blew it. I mean, I was I was
0: very big on her. She was a friend of Scott Brown. Scott Brown called me. Actually, his wife called me because I love her, uh, and and asked me if I could, you know, give her some help in New Hampshire if I had friends up here. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go up and I'm going to help Kelly Ayotte. And I was uh, I was. Very happy to walk away from her when she refused to stand for Donald Trump. When that whole scandal happened where he said he grabs women, women let them grab him, whatever, um, and everybody was making it like, this is the end of Trump. It's awful. It's terrible. And people were throwing him under the bus, and she threw him under the bus. And I walked away, and I hated to walk away. Uh, I thought she was a great candidate. I thought she would have been a great senator. But I think she just didn't get the landscape. I think she just didn't understand
1: what was going on in the culture and in the country. I think I think she sort of met people part way because she did write in um, then-Governor Mike Pence. So it's not like she was such of a squish that she wrote in um a Jeff Flake or a Ben Sass or something. She came much more to not just the center right, but a conservative right. She was more comfortable with an establishment conservative. Yeah, but she uh, threw a vote away and, and she and she hurt and she hurt Donald Trump. Her vote should have gone to Donald Trump. Two That's other right. things I'll I'll say in quick defense of her. Um she did a great job of becoming a national United States senator, which Senator Shaheen um, has not become other than being on a short list for a vice presidential running mate for John Kerry and Barack Obama. Uh, she doesn't go on the Sunday shows. And uh, Kelly Ayotte obviously built up her national security bona fides, was a regular on those programs. So I appreciated her making uh, her leadership from the state, uh, a national platform, mm-hmm. that that was a nice thing that we had going. And I'll say that her final 36-hour close before her race two years ago was impressive. She right. was meeting truck drivers at diners. And uh, my goodness, her, her voice was incredibly hoarse um, that night. She shared a ballroom with Chris Sununu um, when, when he won. And uh, we called it a night for her with it being unclear whether she'd prevail or not. But she closed hard. Yep. Well, I mean, I think had she come out and
0: defended Donald Trump, do the hard thing when it's important, when it matters, I think she would have got reelected. People people like me would have stayed on the campaign and we would have worked even harder for her.
1: She would have won. And I think somebody who agrees with your analysis and punditry right there would be um, Fergus Cullen, for example, of Dover, a former New Hampshire Republican Party chair who um, is a never-Trumper but absolutely acknowledges that he was wrong in thinking that Trump would drag down the ticket when, in fact, uh, what we saw two years ago and what we saw two days ago was that uh, he pulled people up. Mm -hmm. Uh, He specifically said uh, in his remarks at the uh, press conference yesterday that of those people who won, and he said that nine of the 11 people he campaigned for in the final week did prevail, he said some of these are great people, but they're people who nobody really knew. Now they're going to be known. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think I think what the media misses,
0: especially CNN, I think what the Democrats certainly miss is that Donald Trump is not a politician, and he speaks like regular, like I like I speak, right? Like I come on the show and I just talk like a regular person, and the average person. When they put on CNN, when they put on Fox, when they put on MSNBC, most of what gets talked about goes over their head. Nobody knows what a
1: per pupil ratio is. Nobody understands yeah. what cloture means. The, the average person doesn't watch CNN. So there, there's a joke that um, you know our society has become so divided that um, if you watch Fox, you're conservative. If you watch MSNBC, you're liberal. If you watch CNN, you're your idiot. flight's delayed and you're at the airport. <laughs> right. But guess what? If your flight's delayed and you're at the airport, you're not an average person because the average person isn't... A commercial a jet airport. slider. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So, so, so they are, they are increasingly insane. I watch it. CNN
0: all day, every day in my office. Keeps my blood pressure up. Um, I'm constantly yelling at the screen. I'm constantly <laughs> crumpling up papers and throwing it at the screen. Um, it's almost like I'm still on the air even though I'm alone in my office. Um, because I, I, I believe as a, as a journalist, as a news guy, I want to see how they're doing it wrong. To make sure I never do that, and we were watching yesterday the uh, press conference with Jim Acosta and the president. Jim Acosta happens to be one of the worst journalists ever. He really seems to think that a journalist's job is to debate with people and give your opinions. He starts almost every podcast, every every uh, report with uh, Donald Trump lied today, and he lied about yesterday's lie by saying that yesterday's lie wasn't a lie. And he's a lying liar who lies. And I'm like, wait a minute, how is that objective journalism? Your job is to ask a question. Write down the answer and report what some, what people say. When uh, I was interviewing Christina Minacucci yesterday, she won for state representative in the North End of a Methuen district in Massachusetts. Um, you know, We were talking about uh, different things. I was asking her questions, and she has to go off the record and said, you're not going to make me look bad, are you? I said, look, my job isn't to make you look anything. My job is to ask the question, write down your answer, and publish it. That's my job. So even though she's a left-wing, hippie, moonbat bat who I actually ended up I ended up voting for, um, believe it or not, because uh, the other guy was just so horrible. Um, my job is not to portray her as a left-wing hippie moonbat, even though that's what I think of her. My job is to ask her, what do you think about education? What do you think about the opioid crisis? Write down her answer and just friggin' publish it. And, and guys like Acosta, guys like Don Lemon, you, CNN, even Hannity on Fox, um, everybody on MSNBC, they think being a journalist means – to take a side and be a cheerleader for that side and there's no I've been saying this now forever I wish I had a rich friend that would buy a national TV news network and let me run it because we would call it just news and there would be no opinion maybe like at midnight we do like a one hour opinion show but other than that it would just be here's what happened in Kansas yesterday here's what happened in California there was a shooting here's what happened in Florida there was a tornado and then move on to the next story and stop with all these panel opinion discussion things disguised as news to manipulate people
1: to get them to vote the way they want them as to. As a New England guy, you know, my wife would say, well, all right, if you did that, you would have to, you know, keep your focus. Because she, she tells me a story of a pizza place when she grew up that was called something Just Pizza. And then it became Just Pizza and Subs. And they right. started attacking, attacking on <laughs> right. other things. But what you were describing about the role of uh, the journalists, the, the on-camera questioning journalists, um, even when given the opportunity for, for a press conference. You know, I'm, I'm a lawyer by training and I, and I teach law at several colleges. And the the phrase that comes to mind is anticipatory repudiation, which is something that judges hate. You like people to kind of own your part of a bargain and not just assume that the other side is going to do something that you're going to oppose. Right. And so you mentioned people saying lie, 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 liar, liar, liar. The thing that I can tell when there's a hostile media environment is when people say, "Mr. President, Mr. President," and they're saying, "Mr. President," like a CD is skipping. Right. Um, without, without you're going to get a response. Slow down. Right. So we, they, they I will hit.
0: call on you. <laughs> you know, I, I I have a friend who's who's very very close to the president. Um, and we talk all the time. He actually works in, in the press office or near the press office. And I always tell him, listen, I was an elected official, right? So I, I was a school board member in Lawrence. We lost accreditation like my third week in office, right? So we have this press conference and, and the superintendent had a few remarks and he asked me to speak. So I got up to speak and people started asking questions about other stuff, like, you know, things that had nothing to do with why we were there. And I would say, you know what? We're not here for that today, Today we're here to talk about the state coming in and trying to take over the school system. Today we're here to talk about the loss of accreditation. If you want to ask those questions, you can ask them after the press conference. And I keep telling my friend to please pass up the chain when Sarah Sanders is there or the president is there. If he's there with the with the premier uh with the prime minister of you know whatever China. And they're there to talk about Chinese trade, and someone starts asking questions about Jeff Sessions. Did you say, you know what? We're not here for that.
1: Yeah, I think I think we're just not here for that. Yeah, your, your service in that era, I think Robert's Rules of Order right. came across conservative. Now in 2018, I think Robert's Rules of Order is a microaggression.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: now well, that's exactly right. So we I, we watch
0: these these ridiculous uh, reports on what's called the news today, which is clearly not news, um, and it gives people a really bizarre impression of what's going on in the country, which isn't even close to what's real. You know what's real because you work with a lot of candidates all over the country. Um, Talk about some of the races that you were involved in during this campaign and how you see uh, the results of the Senate staying Republican, the House moving to Democrat, um, affecting our our personal lives
1: in the next two years. Yeah, so so from like, the
0: how, how does it how does it how does it benefit me, or how does
1: it uh, be a deterrent for me? Yeah, so uh, in the two month sprint that we have in New Hampshire and Massachusetts from our very late primary elections to the general election, um, you know things pretty much uh, wound up as predicted. Uh, I found no surprises in in New Hampshire uh, or Massachusetts. Um, so what what happened? Really, in the final weeks of the campaign, is the resources of uh, Democrats and Republicans were were deployed to different places. So, what I saw happen is that some of the people involved in the uh, volunteer canvassing, kind of uh, political operations community, and those in more of the election protection, honest ballot uh, law, kind of volunteerism, which is my specialty, we got deployed to different places. Frankly. Um, by the vast right-wing conspiracy. So uh, I, I had a friend uh, getting out the vote in Nevada, who was a, a candidate in the second congressional district uh, earlier at the primary stage. And then I was actually over in upstate New York in New York 19 in support of the state GOP honest ballot initiative specifically for Congressman uh, John Faso there. And I would say that that, that race kind of showed us that all right if you have a new hampshire guy who's leaving new hampshire one a congressional district that trump carried two years ago um but a democrat was elected to congress it's now an open seat the fact that i wasn't kind of asked to stay home um nor go to Maine second which was polling at 47 47 in the days up to the election kind of suggested that um you know the party was placing bets in other areas So what I found disappointing about um, that race in New York 19 where Vice President Biden came out to support the um, upstart challenging Democrat there was that the Republican there was not a far right Republican. He was a member of what's called the Problem Solvers Caucus in the U.S. House, which is a 48-member caucus. Um, He acknowledges global climate change and has legislation and other efforts to do something about it to leverage that from a variety of different ways. So the fact that... um, a problem-solver centrist Republican who, by the way, lost two statewide races in New York previously to candidates who were ultimately uh, indicted upon their victories, if you're not gonna give a guy like that a pass, we're not gonna give everyone a pass. So John Meacham, who is a journalist slash historian who you probably don't like very much, one thing that he said on air yesterday that I really agree with was all the people who say that the, uh, the, the battle, the extremes and everything is, you know, that's not who we are. He says, well, that's kind of exactly who we are. Right. Because what I've seen in my experience is some of the centrists, moderates of sorts, you know, they're not given a pass. They're really not all, all that celebrated until after they lose. Right. That's when the John McCains of the worlds are re Right. That's when the H.W. Bushes and the W. Bushes even, uh, people you know find their faith and kind of misre- misremember the halcyon days uh, of their leadership. So I think the story on a, on a going-forward basis is um, one of further division because um, you know even short of the new census and the redistricting and some of those, those issues that are going to come, come up in the next few years um, – yeah, the, the moderates weren't, weren't appreciated um, on either side.
0: Yeah. I I, I always get frustrated because I always watch everything from a news angle. And my frustration is the Democrats have been and the left has been so violent. They've been so divisive. And anytime you call them out, the first thing you hear from any liberal in the room, any liberal with an earshot is, Trump does it. What about when Trump does it? How come you don't talk about what Trump does it? Well, because you guys do that 24-7. We know Trump does it. But if you're going to attack Donald Trump for being divisive and then you're divisive, you now have no credibility. And now that we've got a House that's going to be Democrat, we've got the Senate has been maintained by the Republicans. Nancy Pelosi, of all people, comes out and actually starts to look like the peacemaker.
1: How did that happen? Now, now, one difference that we have in terms of kind of that uh, that narrative, which is probably more true in, in big states, is in a, in a place like New Hampshire, the, the Democratic Party is really very impressively uh, organized, and so some of the fallout in terms of the fact that both houses of our state legislature swipped, uh, flipped um, Democrat, um, both U.S. House seats, you know, went Democrat. Pretty much everything did, you know, short of, short of the governorship. Um, there's, a, there's one very prominent operative in New Hampshire who says that the New Hampshire uh, Republican Campaign Committee walked away from New Hampshire, that uh, the New Hampshire Republican Party itself is not um, – a, a, a 24-7, 365 kind of an operation like the Democrats. So so that's definitely a story of what's going on or what's not going on in New Hampshire is the fact that the uh, Democrats have two dozen full-time employees. The Republican heart Party has but two in a crumbling building in Concord. So a lot of times people talk about the party, but the party is is maybe giving the sense of more of an institution with more infrastructure than truly exists. Right. And so I actually experienced Some of what I did in my educator role in terms of uh, connecting people to some insights to what's going on in the operations of things, Um, you know, we give the State Department, or the State Department gives grants to bring in people from all around the world to observe our democracy in the lead up to elections. And there's one group, the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire, um, which had some State Department grants and brought some people in, and they were looking to see stuff on both sides. And there, frankly, wasn't that much to show them or to direct them to. They were actually doing a wonderful job of trying to see the Republican side of things. They were just having a hard time finding the right contacts or the right places to go or the right places to visit because there were not as many local, local offices. So in some ways, believe it or not, nonprofits in the State Department are propping up the Republican Party in some ways in New Hampshire in terms of the appearance of a vigorous 50-50 side of things. And I recall even the media doing that because I have witnessed firsthand an ABC News affiliate uh, visit a presidential campaign office And say, hey, could you have some people uh, pick up some Phones? We want to get some B-roll Let's make it look busy like a bustling campaign office So they're trying to like prop up the appearance Of an active, ready-to-go Well-oiled machine Republican party I've seen the New York Times do the same thing in could, Stratum, New Hampshire Can I stop you there? We talk about this on the show All the time. Isn't
0: that more proof That the media was full of shit That everything they do is scripted I mean, they, wanted, they, they didn't want to come in While you were busy and film you They wanted you to pretend you were busy So so they could make it look a certain way, which is actually like fake. I mean, Donald Trump, is if, he, if, if you think he's wrong about everything he says, the one thing he's not wrong about is fake news. The news
1: is so fake, it's unbelievable. Every Everything they do is made up. It, some of what they engage in is I'm going to go ahead and call fake nationalism because they're trying to show grassroots democracy – on a side where maybe it's not happening Maybe the story is that the Republicans aren't that organized That there's not a lot of uh, spirit or momentum mm-hmm. They were stirring up some momentum Right. I've seen the New York Times um, uh, interview Bobby Jindal When he was running for president And um, say, oh, why don't we stage you by this barn With the American flag to make you look at your very best right. That doesn't sound like something that you would think That the, the New York Times would do right. But they actually do They want the shot, they want the Americana And you'll remember that President Obama repeatedly said that his story could only happen in america and i remember when he said that and thinking that is quite nationalist Mm -hmm. your story couldn't happen in australia yeah what an insult to australia right i thought that they were more progressive i thought they were more modern but but apparently not i don't think he meant it but he was right that's what i'm saying the media and the president are more nationalist patriotic if you will they just don't always you know use those terms which are triggering for folks
0: for a guy who tried to fundamentally change america Right. Everything he did was to fundamentally change America uh, with his hope and change. Um, then he comes out with this rhetoric about how, you know, America's uh, this is the only country in the world where I could do this. And, I, you know, you think about things like Colin Kaepernick and all these these rich guys who are on football teams that are taking a knee for the uh, for the national anthem. And you look at them and you just think, like, do you think you could do that in Mexico? Like, do you think don't even don't even go to like a an oppressive Muslim country? How about like in France? Do you think you could do that in France and get away with that? You couldn't. This is the greatest country in the world, and people who complain about it uh, is, I think, a testament to how great we are. That we're so rich and so fat and so happy and so spoiled that we run around complaining about stupid things.
1: Yeah, and, and there there are people who would who would suggest that, what you what you just intimated is calling for a literacy test because it's like, what's it saying? Kuypernik cannot protest without knowing. Who Francis Scott Key is, and making mm-hmm. sure that he knows every word of said anthem. You know, what standard are we going to hold people to before they're able to offer an, an opinion? Right. You know, is our free speech does it celebrate uh, uninformed opinion?
0: Right. Um, okay, we get about five minutes for our first break. So, with the with the Senate holding, uh, with the Republicans holding the Senate, with the Democrats now taking the House, what does this mean for me? I think most people. They don't follow politics because they don't think it invades their personal life. They don't think it's going to affect their personal life, but it does. And you'd be the perfect guy to I think answer this question: What does the Democrats taking the House now mean for the average person?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I think not as much. I think gridlock is the story. You know, America tends to favor um, you know a divided government, whether that's across houses of Congress or Congress and the presidency. Because because remember, you know, when Newt Gingrich did lead that uh, Republican takeover in 1994, the U.S. House had been in Democratic leadership for 40 years mm-hmm. prior to that. So in those cases, the divided government was between um, the legislature and the presidency. Now we have kind of more of a discussion of, of the judiciary in terms of our divided government. But I think that just that um, bicameral division within Congress itself is going to mean um, a lot of status quo. So I think that... Um, That's bad for Donald Trump and
0: for Donald, Trump's, for, I, Donald, for Donald Trump's vision of what he wants to accomplish. Gridlock is not, is not a good thing if you're a, if you're a Trump fan.
1: Um, I, I, I perhaps disagree because I think the messaging on infrastructure and a variety of things, if it doesn't happen in the next two years, he all of a sudden has a foil and, and, and a foiler too. Because if it's Nancy Pelosi as house speaker... Sure, um, Maxine Waters should she become um, chair of the House Financial Services Committee. I don't think anyone really believes that um, legislation that she champions is going to become law. That that's going to have you know huge impacts on uh, my primary industry of financial services or too many others. I don't think it's going to be great news or bad news for the consumer or the business owner because we have the U.S. Senate as such a robust. Uh, check. We have more Republican U.S. senators than we've had in 100 years in the time since the constitutional amendment championed by Teddy Roosevelt to have popular election of U.S. senators. So back in the days of, of uh, you know, state legislatures choosing the representatives, you know, there was a time when there were more than the, than the 55 or so. But but right now, this is a very robust um, Republican U.S. Senate. So if something even like judgeships is something that's become personal, that day-to-day people who are not lawyers care about, um, who got interested in um, matters of, of Merrick Garland and, and Justice Kavanaugh and what have you. Um, uh, I saw this morning that Justice Ginsburg broke three ribs. Mm-hmm. So her, she at 85, and, uh, and Justice Breyer at 80 means that the Supreme Court is something that's going to be watched a bit more. And the divided government is less important for that because uh, that's all about U.S. Senate for advice and consent. The U.S. House plays no role in that. I think, and and, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, I think that the, the Republicans lost the House because they
0: made promises that they didn't keep. Uh, they all ran saying we're going we're gonna to Build a wall, we're going to um, Lower taxes We're going to uh, try and Reinforce the family, they had all these Conservative messages, then they didn't do any of it Right, uh, they, they, they Didn't repeal Obamacare, they didn't Fund the wall, they could have in the first two years Of Trump's presidency, they could have accomplished Everything they've always said they wanted to do And then they didn't do it, and I think A lot of Republicans stayed home on the congressional Races for those exact reasons, that They made promises, they didn't keep them, and and guess what? People people remember. People notice.
1: Yeah, I, I think there was less of a they. I didn't see as much in terms of a capital steps uh, contract with America sort of a thing. Paul Ryan was a lame duck speaker on the way out. I didn't emphasis hear them, on lame. Yeah, I, I didn't hear them campaigning on that second round of tax cuts. Where um, in in the day and a half prior to the election, there was a suggestion of a new ten percent middle class tax cut. That was too little, too late to get out as a message.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. All right, let's take a quick break. We're gonna pay some bills. We're
0: gonna thank our sponsors. Especially uh, Angelo at AM Auto Body, Angelo over there. If something happens to your car over there, you want to bring it down to Angelo over at uh, South Broadway in Lawrence. Uh, I was actually live driving around Lawrence chasing police calls one night, and I got hit, and um, went right from that, right from the accident, drove right to Angelo's, dropped off my car, he took care of it, it looks better than new. Guerrilla journalism, oh, guerrilla awesome. advertising. Right, it. exactly. <laughs> Back after this, I'm paying attention with Alex Talcott. a m Auto Body, we got our friend Angelo over there, Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car, so if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to AM Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three, South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin, and I said, look, You help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local If while I'm driving around Lawrence I get shot and killed Make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home Because we do business with the people who do business with us And he's on South Broadway with the, It's the old Scott Funeral Home If, you were, if you're an old time Lawrence resident It's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway In Lawrence um, you can, They do crematory services They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a a big fan of the show He followed us when we go live He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper And he's now sponsoring this program Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services 298 South Broadway in Lawrence We appreciate him Uh, Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group Uh, He specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time So you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Diaz Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was a credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Velo's Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North End of line. All righty, then. Welcome back. Very good. Welcome back to the Paying Attention Podcast. hi atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We're drinking our Two Guys Smoke Shop Sarsaparilla, which was uh, nicely provided by Dave Garofalo here at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I'm trying to get as many shameless plugs in as I possibly can. You're sassy. Enjoy I, some sarsaparilla. I am. I am. We also want to encourage you, there are a couple of other... Uh, A couple of other podcasts That uh, tape here in the studio We're all part of a network We love most of those guys And I only say most Because there's a couple I haven't met yet Um, But uh, I was on uh, The Writer's Block last week And it was a lot of fun And it's actually A really good show I've actually been downloading And listening to uh, Some of their older programs uh, Because I'm a writer Obviously So I'm interested in that So you might want to Take a listen to that And subscribe to their podcast Political TNT With Tom and Nancy Troy Funniest podcast You're ever going to watch Or listen to so <laughs> They literally sit here their brother and sister And they literally sit here And yell at each other For half an hour And sometimes it even Comes to blows Last week she threw water On him in the middle Of the show And I thought he was Going to punch <laughs> her out um, So for entertainment value Alone that's actually a, a really great one. show And there's a new show That's going to be starting uh, Craig is here From Success in the 603 And he's going to be Promoting businesses In New Hampshire So uh, we want to welcome him To the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe Encourage you to go To his Facebook page Success in the 603 and uh, And go to his podcast and listen. Have you already done your first podcast? Today? So you're gonna be doing that today. So he's gonna do his first podcast today. So look him up, and then there's the one that I thought. Geez, I figured we talk about Ann bitches on the show, right, Ed? Yeah. And I thought for sure she was gonna like invite me on the show or at least call me and yell at me about you what want, I talked about. You want me to put in a good word for you? The, or, no, a bad word. All right. Why don't you put that in a bad do, word? That for might me? do it. Because I'm watching her show and she's amazingly hot, right? And you know me, because <laughs> I'm a single guy, right? So I'm watching and like in the first two minutes, I'm like, you know what? I'd love to have her on my show. And wouldn't you know what The next word out of her mouth was a word we never talk about. We never want to hear, if you're a single guy, husband. Oh, yeah. She talked about her husband for like five minutes. I'm like, oh, you just ruined the fantasy. Now what am I going to do? Skip the last few episodes because he's on them. Oh, my God, she had the husband on the show. She did. Oh my goodness! All right, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the old shows then. Okay, I, I can't watch the one with the husband on it. I at least, want to, at least, pretend in my mind that I have a shot. You know, what I mean, she's got a husband. Then what am I gonna do? I understand he's like a big karate guy or something, self defense guy too. Yeah, he owns a dojo. So. Yeah, so so that kind of that just kind of kills it for me. But who knows? Eventually, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll be able to uh, do some cross promotions. Anyway, I think that might. Be I fun. think it'd be fun. I think she and I would get along great because we. I don't think we agree on. It. Anything. you're both feisty people yeah I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. so in the studio today is Alex Talcott he is uh, I don't even know how to describe you you're kind of like a jack-of-all trades you do everything you uh, you're a financial consultant you're a lawyer you do political consulting uh, do you want to talk about like some of your business give, give some promotions to some of your businesses you
1: sure do? yeah I'm kind of mostly here in my capacity as a, you know a, a learner and a teacher so I teach at the University of New Hampshire's business school also southern New Hampshire University's hooks campus at Great Bay Community College in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So I have uh, five classes at three campuses this fall. And yes, as you said, have a uh, wealth management business. We also have a tax division and estate planning division. That is a New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and 36 other state operation. And then, yeah, um, in in terms of the political thing, you know, I mostly do election protection. This is pretty much what I like to do, kind of uh, almost nonpartisan, cooperative, because that's really as far as even the Republican National Lawyers Association, their number one best practice is get to know the lawyers on the other side and collaborate in the spirit of getting it right, right. not just being a, you know, um, a zealous advocate for your side. Right. When it comes to elections, and especially in a culture of election uh, security internationally, we really should be on the same team. So I find that to be a very nonpartisan thing, and I always uh, pride myself on my students not being able to guess where I stand. Because um, I invite guest speakers from both sides, host different people in my own home, in local businesses. I'm much more interested in, in the debate than I am necessarily the outcome all the time. Great,
0: and you've made me an offer. You made me a boatload of money. <laughs> I want to thank you for that. Um, if you if you have a portfolio, you ought to be turning it over to Alex because Alex just calls me out of the blue one day. It's like August, and I'm just driving around Lawrence doing my thing, and he's like, "Listen, I, I want to move some of your stuff around. I want to do this. I know you're not going to want to do this when you hear me say it." but, but trust me, do you trust me? I said, yeah, okay. I trust you. He he did. He divested me in one thing. He bought a whole bunch of other stuff and it it went through the roof, right?
1: Well, we have a really great team. You know, the ability that I'm able to be here and talking at the high level on some of these topics in our, you know, uh, society is because I have a team of six, you know, uh, who who are, you know, manning the ship, you know, screening a lot of funds, uh, really, really taking great care of our people. So we're very fortunate. We've been able to scale up to over 2000 households. Nice. And it doesn't, I think you'd agree. It doesn't really feel that way, right? right yeah, in a pretty quiet office. Yeah, it's not loud. We're not yelling. Buy, sell. Right. That's that you know, like it Canada feels like a small bank. You know, we, we want it to feel like that secure and that right. comfortable for people. That that is very much our culture. So
0: the uh, the election was this week.
1: Um, obviously,
0: people like me not real happy about some of it. Um, I, I was watching around the around the country uh, some of the things that were going on. I was watch, I was paying attention to the Georgia governor's race. I was paying attention to the Florida governor's race. Uh, without going to Georgia because uh, that's like a whole hour in and of itself. Um, the Florida the Florida governor's race. Um, you were uh, you were a little bit involved in that, right?
1: Well, I mean, I was I was watching a handful of other races, and it really just came down to like uh you know friendship. You know, where where were where were my friends involved? You know, because I'm rooting rooting for them in in some ways. Um, and I have some friends who have been involved in Florida recounts over the years. Florida is a fascinating state because talk about a state that just totally doesn't have its act together in some ways. Like it's a thing that headlines are Florida man dot dot dot, something crazy happened, or they were one of the early states even before the opioid crisis was spoken about as a national level. That was a state that was like, you know, ridiculous for prescription drug security. But meanwhile, to get life insurance licensed in Florida, I had to go get fingerprinted at my local police precinct and send it down to Florida because they were serious about that. And believe it or not, maybe you believe it because of Bush v. Gore. That band stayed together. The gang gets back together. So um, if people are deployed to different states, you know, absent a recount, and there is going to be a recount um, by statute in Florida in the U.S. Senate race under 0.5% of a margin – that's a state that doesn't need a lot of out-of-state attention. A lot of lawyers are like, oh, yeah, I can go to Florida and help out. They're looking for a vacation. Right, right. But, but frankly, um, they're not needed as much. Looking to expense it to the company. Yeah. Uh, Manny Iglesias is, is uh, really involved in election operations down in Florida. So believe it or not, that's a state that we feel is in really good hands in terms of getting the right outcome. Um, other states that I was looking at, Missouri was a major one because one of my lawyer friends wound up uh, being deployed to St. Louis. From Washington, D.C., because St. Louis is a place in Missouri that's right on the river. And um, there's been a history of people voting in both states, the other state being Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, the Democrats tell us there's no such thing as voter fraud. How how could that possibly be? People voting in two different
0: states, really? Shocking.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think it happens much. I I don't know enough about it personally. But it's, it's taken seriously enough that some resources were put... Um, toward putting a D.C. lawyer who's highly experienced and a group of other people to be stationed down there to protect that vote. And um, when you know it, that race wound up not being very close for um, Senator-elect Josh Hawley. I thought it was fascinating that he wound up winning by so much considering I was at an election law seminar this summer for two days in St. Louis with lawyers from all around the country, and his name was not spoken once at that conference. Wow. And I was asking some of the local attorneys there, you know, are you not that excited about him as, as a candidate? You know, is that why we're not emphasizing him so much? And um, kind of amazing. He closed so hard. Obviously, the president and the vice president were boots on the ground there in Indiana. Indeed, the states that they went to um, were not only victories, but they were not coattailing on sure thing victories. Right. They helped drive those wins. The polls were all wrong
0: again. Right. The polls were all wrong again. Um. Whether it was the Florida race, whether it was the Missouri race, whether it was the Georgia race, certainly, Um, and even even some of the Senate races, they just they had even if they called the candidate the right candidate, they had the percentages were all completely wrong. When are we going to learn as a country to stop? After you would think after Donald Trump, if CNN came on and said a poll recently said today that everybody would just change the channel because we know these polls really don't mean anything. They don't. They're not doing it right. It's not like the old days where they could call everybody's home phone. Right, and get a really good pulse of you know, these people are voters, they're super voters, we know how they're going to vote. Now Everybody's got cell phones, everybody's got
1: text messaging. There was some really good New York Times transparency about their methods in their polling. So they were having on their main page in real time the three or four races that they were polling at any given time. I was actually surprised to see that some dials were being made after 9.30 p.m. Um, they were calling cell phone numbers in many cases too. But to get the approximately 350 or more responses that they wanted in a congressional district – they were making 32 to 33,000 phone calls wow. to get those three or 400 responses. So some people think that that you know, methodology shows that that low response rate really invalidates the quality of those polls. The worst poll that I saw in New Hampshire in the lead-up to the race was one that um, showed Sununu winning by more than a dozen points among independents and yet being within only uh, one point plus or minus to his opponent. If you're winning by 13, 15, 17 points among independents in New Hampshire – it's over. You it's won. Over. It's over. Yeah, yeah so, so they, were, they were oversampling Democrats. So the, the biggest uh, partisan polling issue that I've seen is oversampling of registered Democrats. Do
0: you think that they do it on purpose? I happen to think that they do do it on purpose, uh, that they'll, they'll do like what they do with Sununu, so that Sununu will feel comfortable and not campaign as much with, with independents. Are they just really incompetent?
1: I, I, I tend to lend more towards incompetence because um, across networks – Um, I'm constantly hearing mispronunciation of long-serving leaders, which makes me disregard everything else that the pundit says. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to um, the POTUS uh, Moderate, Serious uh, radio station, and uh, they mispronounced the name of Senator Leahy of Vermont, who's only been in the United States Senate 150 for 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. So he joined the U.S. Senate in like 1969, and you're calling him Leahy? I, I don't care about your opinion right. about anything else. But unfortunately, midday Fox News, I heard the same thing. I heard some pretty nasty mispronunciations yeah. that made me, um, made me really question uh, the seriousness of their analysis. Um, or the, the seriousness of uh, both their prognostication, but also their their kind of normative opinion on, on, on things I was disregarding. So now the election happened, and as we all knew, we all knew this was going to—anybody who watches
0: uh, especially cable news uh, on, on any even small frequency— We all knew what was going to happen after Election Day. We knew Jeff Sessions was going to be kicked out, right? We knew that he was waiting for the midterms to happen so he could get rid of Sessions um, without even talking about whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, I then turn on CNN uh, because that's my go-to, and they're all shocked, shocked. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Elizabeth Warren, who tweeted out about a year ago that Jeff Sessions should be fired uh, because he's awful and he's mean and he's a right winger and he's terrible. Yesterday, tweeted that this was an abomination to our democracy. That he fired.
1: Je- I'm like, wait, you're not even smart enough to be on your own side. You don't even remember what you tweeted a year ago. Yeah what what I what I found was uh, they went from the shocked to the shocked shocked um, <laughs> as you say when when it was revealed that the president um, asked for the attorney general to tender his resignation and then proceeded to have a news conference knowing full well mm-hmm. that this news was already mm-hmm. in the works. And then it comes out like right after that. So that right. was a little bit of the media shock, shocked um, about that. But the, the Senator Sessions si- situation is w- one that I've been following for a few years. Um, I met then Senator Sessions in um, Dover, New Hampshire in uh, the fall of 2016. And what I recall is uh, when I use the phrase rule of law in conversation with him at a, at a cookout, his eyes just absolutely right. like lit up. Like That's the phrase, if you want to hit it off with Jeff Sessions, say rule of law, which is a, a term of art. It has a very specific legal um, meaning, and, it, and it's a major value for him. And wouldn't you know it, on the way out, in his resignation letter that was released, um, he said, most importantly, dot, 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 rule of law, and then repeated the same phrase in the next paragraph. So um, he's somebody who kind of retrospectively is being given the McCain treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, For being a a champion of the Yeah, Two days ago
0: they hated him He was an evil right wing Nazi But now that Trump has fired him Isn't it awful what they did to him He was such a great guy It's like they don't even They they, they don't even think that their audience is smart enough To remember what they said five minutes ago Yeah
1: yeah. when when he was uh, initially nominated Remember his nomination was announced Before the inauguration and and prior to the inauguration, I I had written an editorial in Foster's Daily Democrat um, newspaper, which is actually, believe it or not, a center-right newspaper up in New Hampshire. Yeah, we hate them. Um, (laughs) I I was I was writing for them, supporting Senator Sessions' nomination and kind of highlighting a lot of moments of bipartisanship in his career to surprise people Mm -hmm. because that's what's missed when we're talking about the law, whether it's the administration of the law by the Department of Justice. Or the Supreme Court, everyone thinks that everything is like a 5 4 decision. It's like, I can show you 9 0 and 8 1 decisions mm-hmm. in the last several years. There are a lot of things in the law that are just right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of conservatives, um, they like a natural law way of thinking about the law, that, that, the, that there are right and wrong things in the universe. And then we just need to uh, come up with laws that express that. There's another legal philosophy other than law and economics that can also be quite conservative. It's a legal positivist view, which says the law is the law, just that, no more, no less. Right. And that's a way of thinking that's very Jeff Sessions, where – he was pretty interested in a neutral administration of the laws, and for some people, that's a good guy, bad guy, mm-hmm. mean daddy approach to the administration right. of justice. Well, a very,
0: it's a very public safety way of looking at things. I mean, police officers show up; you either you either hit your girlfriend or you didn't. You either stole the you either you either stole the tool out of the out of the tool store or you didn't.
1: Now he did. know, he did have a bit of a personal bias, like a, uh, a, thinking that marijuana smokers are bad people, sort mm-hmm. of a thing. So he definitely had some of that going on, but. Uh, He wasn't really looking to uh, advocate for new laws from the Department of Justice. Uh, He was more than enough busy trying to administer the ones before him.
0: I think he was the wrong person for uh, attorney general. Um, I think I, I'm I'm heartbroken that the president has gotten rid of him. I wanted him to stay, mm-hmm. um, regardless of all this Russia stuff. I think if if Trump just left the Russia stuff alone, uh, Mueller. I know uh, Robert Mueller. I've met him twice. I, uh, I've got uh, we got some great pictures with him when I was down at the police memorial uh, during the Obama administration. You're
1: pronouncing it like Bueller, like Ben Stein. You remember Ben right. Stein called uh, President Trump yesterday? What magical or a magician or something? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I forgot where I was going with it. Oh, but but who oh, but who is the right, who would have been the right choice? But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I
0: think Chris Christie, being a former prosecutor, I think I think a former prosecutor would have been a good choice. I think Jeff Sessions. Uh, Here's my hope. My hope is that Donald Trump's going to take a deep breath over the next couple of days, realize how valuable Jeff Sessions is, realize how he's wronged Jeff Sessions. I don't disagree with much of what Donald Trump does, but on this one I do. Um, Publicly humiliating him, publicly calling him out. This guy was as loyal to Donald Trump as anybody has ever been. You could tell he's very emotional about the way this has all happened. Um, I would like for them to put him in
1: charge of Secret Service,
0: put him in charge of something else. Um, This is is why you're not not just a man on the street.
1: This is this is why you, your opinions are so, so informed. The fact that you know what Chris Christie's job was two jobs ago, that he was a federal prosecutor, most people don't know that. Yeah, they just like, remember him as being a big blowhard sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe they know that he was governor of New Jersey. But right. um, in this day and age, even with Wikipedia, for crying out loud, most people don't know the CVs um, of these people in position of leadership. And right. that absolutely, after he was a private practice uh, attorney and a major fundraiser for George W. Bush. Yeah, in, yeah. in New Jersey, who's a federal prosecutor, United States attorney. But I so think, we're seeing him as a shortlister now. Right, yeah. yeah. And I think Jeff
0: Sessions was a great attorney general. Look, um, everybody who follows me know, I go live on Facebook, I chase police calls in Lawrence, we go to every shooting, we get fires, whatever's going on, um, you know, rapes, wh- anything that's happening in the city, we, we go live and we show people live what's going on with no editorial content, uh, no skewing of anything. And Jeff Sessions, when... Donald Trump called out Dan Rivera and the city of Lawrence as being the hub of the opioid crisis in New England. And and the mayor of Lawrence, Dan Rivera, turned it into a race issue and said, oh, he's picking on us because we're brown. It's racism. Uh, Jeff Sessions sent an alphabet soup of federal agencies into Lawrence and literally drained the swamp to the point where Lawrence's violent crime is now down 65 percent this year than what it was last year at this time. It, violent crime is at its lowest point in Lawrence than it has been in the last 60-something years. And if you if I ever thought that I would be publicly saying that about the city of Lawrence that I've been covering now for my whole life, I never would have believed it. But yeah. but now we drive around Lawrence. It used to be, last year at this time, we'd be driving around Lawrence, there'd be at least three gun calls. There'd be at least three shots fired called, and at least one person would be getting hit. A night, right? Now we drive around Lawrence, and it's like, if, if we get a domestic violence call, we're all excited. You know, if, if there's if there's an accident on Haverhill Street, we're excited because there's a call. I mean, the police pretty are honest.
1: The, I understand what you're saying. Like, and, it's, and it's because it comes I, out wrong, but it comes out honest. I know exactly you what you're know saying. What I'm
0: saying? Yeah. So like so the, the, the federal agents have come in and they've literally drained the swamp in lost. They've deported by my count alone more than 350 to 400 people who were very big gang leaders who were who were not just selling drugs on the street, but they were the traffickers that were bringing it in, packaging it. Um, they had a whole operation going. And these guys very quietly just
1: came in over the last year and just drained, literally drained the swamp. And I, I that's all Jeff sessions. If there's anything that you care about as much as journalism, it's public safety. Um, so here here's a here's a kind of style of gotcha journalism that I think that you might Appreciate is um, in evaluating attorneys general. The next time somebody on the left or the right says, "Oh well, so and so was a good attorney general or something," say, "Oh yeah, name three others." Right? Do they have a context of anybody else who's really performed in that role? Mm-hmm. Can they come up with an Eric Holder, or a John Ashcroft? You know, d- do they have a point of comparison? Because right. a lot of people are kind of gratuitous with their compliments or their critiques, whether it's a prospective judge or other high government official. And you can really stump people by asking them to name just two others right. to like evaluate. Pros and cons, advantages and disadvantages, like they, they don't know. Yeah,
0: it. most people just go by what they see on TV. They regurgitate what their friends right. say at the water cooler. Uh, most people, they have opinions, but it's not really their opinions. They've kind of adopted other people's opinions because they sound good, right? And they sound smart. And then when you start what you, what you just said, when you start drilling down, you start asking them questions, you find that they really don't know a whole lot. Yeah. You know, which is, I think, the value of this show. I think if, if anything else, this show is to educate people. When people email me and they, <coughs> excuse me, when people email me and they say, I totally disagree with your position on X, Y, and Z, I'm thrilled. Because they disagree with me and they're still watching. Um, I get emails all the time from people who say, I read The Valley Patriot and I can't believe you wrote this in your editorial. It's horrible. It's terrible. You're awful. You're a right-wing Nazi. I love it because they're quoting what's in the editorial, which means they read the editorial even though going in they didn't agree with anything. They knew they weren't going to agree with anything. So
1: so let's leverage um, Tom Duggan and CNN a little bit more and point out that CNN's reporting of of another uh, front runner to succeed – uh, Attorney General Sessions is Pam Bondi of Florida. Oh, my God, who, I'm in. Well, she might be Both a little... feet, I'm in. Well, she, here's an interesting thing about her, though, to, to show like a time when maybe she's crossed um, a political divide in a way. So as Attorney General of Florida in the storm season, um, when she took to the media, it was really to get out the word as a warning to area businesses to avoid price gouging mm-hmm. because there's a Florida statute against price gouging. So in times of an emergency like that, can a Motel 6... You know, kind of raise its rates 10 bucks or 50 bucks here and there? Yeah, maybe. Can they raise their rates 10,000% and take advantage of people in that situation? No, they cannot by statute. So some people um, who are truly libertarian or true believers all the way in the free market would say they should price it however they want under any circumstances and leave it up to the marketplace to shame them for doing so. But in Florida, there's a law that define certain parameters for price gouging that, that are akin to usury. And so she, in her capacity as a Republican attorney general, was protecting the consumer, protecting the citizenry, but in a manner that was arguably anti-free market. So there she was, following the rule of law.
0: Right, right. I, I, I would be thrilled if Pam Bondi became the attorney general. I think she's absolutely stunning, and I would love to be able to look at her every day on, on, on TV doing stuff. Every time she's on Fox, even if she's on, she's on CNN a couple of times, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching anything she does. I don't, I don't even care how good she is. She's just beautiful. I just love watching her. Uh, Joe Dunn asks, will Georgia and Florida races be stolen by the Democrats?
1: Um, if you ask uh, Manny Iglesias of, of Florida, who's most involved in the recount um, ed- efforts there, his opening statement when he's uh, rallying a group of, of volunteer lawyers is, um, Democrats lie, cheat, and steal – um, they're out to get the election, so he opens with that. So he kind of like sets the parameter, you know, the parameters out there, in almost like a Sarah Palin like kind of way that um, even if you don't buy it all, you know, all the way, you know, he creates enough space mm-hmm. to you know want to be on your toes and want to be vigorous. But um, no, the, the attorneys who I know down down in Florida are, are pretty top notch. They're quite organized. I would say the two best organized states for election protection um, this past season were Florida and Missouri.
0: Really? So if the Republican wins either of those states, what is the chances that the Democrats are going to be yelling and screaming that it was stolen from them? Because that's what they do. They always accuse others of what they're doing.
1: Yeah, they might not even need to go that route because um, there's already a a little bit of momentum behind um, Beto O'Rourke of Texas coming off a loss to perhaps – uh, run for president now. Right. Well, he's he's the second coming of Christ. So, so, but but you know what? Um, you can absolutely come off a loss. That's not just the the left propping up um, an ideal disruptor. You know, Lincoln was coming off a U.S. Senate loss two years prior to his election. Mm-hmm. So, um, that saying that there are no second acts in American politics is manifestly false. Right. Not only given Lincoln and Richard Nixon, but how about Michelle Bachman, who was leading in the polls for president once upon a time, right. who had lost a school board race at home? Right. You can absolutely lose elections sure. and go on to major service. I think President Clinton lost a race for um, like student council when he was in high school or college. Yeah. So you can lose. So. Um, anything else? we could got about five minutes,
0: maybe three minutes left. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up today's show there, Alex Talcott?
1: Well, you know what, what we should maybe talk about or, or ask about is – kind of the so what in terms of uh, of policy going forward. Um, you know, in the lead up to the election, if, if the right was about the caravan and maybe um, federal judgeships and the left was alluding to health care, but mainly in the context of don't lose the gains of the Affordable Care Act, you know, the fact that we're not going into January With some uh, ready-made votes on legislation here or there, it's a really nice opportunity before we get into the thick of the holidays to maybe reach out to our current members and our members-to-be and kind of let them know, um, get drafting on some legislation. Here's what we want you to do because (laughs) you'll notice we don't really have a ready-made debate about being for or against this law or that law. So you know whether it's a tax cut, whether it's infrastructure, let's start penning to paper, folks, and have something to be either for or against.
0: Right. Do the Democrats – are they for anything? We know they're against Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a bad person. He's evil. Uh, but are they, are they for anything? Are they, uh, it, now that they've taken over the House, are they going to champion anything or are they just going to just
1: challenge Donald Trump on everything he does? I mean – I was kind of surprised that President Obama didn't get Guantanamo closed in a variety of things that he had political capital for uh, nine years ago. Um, They can absolutely be constructive folks who help get infrastructure done. Like there's no reason not for that to happen other than to deprive you know the president and the Senate of running on it in two mm-hmm. years. So infrastructure absolutely should get done. Um, they predominantly are for um, single payer healthcare, or or at least achieving uh, expanded healthcare by way of a Medicare for all kind of a system, and um, that polls really well. Expanded family and medical leave polls really well. So, you know, there are a number of things that they or we could and should be able to get done in the next couple of years. All right.
0: Alex Talcott, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate you being a guest. Hopefully you'll come back again someday. Glad to. Uh, maybe we'll have you back when Paul is here. We can mix it up a little bit more. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening today, everybody for watching on Facebook. Uh, We will see you next week. I I can't remember who it is, but I know we have a guest next week. Uh, Make sure you pick up your copy of The Valley Patriot. Our new edition, the November edition, comes out tomorrow. Uh, Also, don't forget to uh, pick up my book, Heroes in Our Midst, from the pages of The Valley Patriot. And uh, we're going to have another big announcement, I think, next week. So make sure you catch that show. Thank you, Ed Sullivan, for being our fine, fine producer The Voice of Murgatory. Didn't hear much from you today, but we appreciate no, you being here. And good luck to Craig from Success at 603. And make sure you get his, uh, listen to his podcast. Uh, within the next hour right you're gonna go on within the next hour. He's going on right next so make sure you uh, make sure you catch him. We're on Spotify we're on Google Play we're on uh, Podbean we're everywhere make sure you download the audio of the show and uh, we'll see you next week. Melvin Taylor says go home so go home already.